The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. The end of the cookie. Google starts to disable one of the most effective but also infamous ad tracking devices for its Chrome browser today. A major change in what it signals about the digital ad landscape and big tech in 2024. It's Thursday, January 4th. Welcome to the Tech Check Podcast. I'm Deirdre Bosa. And hello, Mark Gilbert. It's been a while. I know. Happy New Year. Welcome back. We're back together again for the first time in in weeks. And we got some news for us today. Uh, Google, yes, is finally getting rid of cookies for the digital ad landscape at large. It's another monumental change coming just a few years after Apple did something similar, D. Right. There's ad landscape implications, but there's also implications for big tech at large, which we'll get to. But let's talk about what's actually happening. So this has been telegraphed for a while. We saw it first with Apple when it implemented its app tracking technology known as ATT. Google has said that it's going to do it, but given more leeway, more time for advertisers, publishers, marketers to prepare. So today was actually the first step disabling cookies for some users. It amounted to about 1% of Chrome users in the hopes that they're going to finish it all off by the end of the year. Right. And getting rid of cookies is obviously going to make it harder for third parties to track users across the internet. I'm going to give it a, a specific example that we talked about this morning. Let's say over the holidays, you Google pajamas to give someone a gift and you search a specific brand of pajamas. Cookies are the technology that knows, remembers, and tracks that search and then follows you around the web, continually serving ads for those pajamas and potentially, uh, you know, other companies' pajamas and maybe slippers and robes <laughs> that continues. Anything you know, months. related to yeah. pajamas, you will and, be served if you do and that even one if you already Google bought, Even if you already bought the pajamas, right, you continue to get those ads for pajamas for, you know, months at a time. And this is particularly relevant because I was searching for lots of different gifts over the holidays, some that I had no intention of buying, but the internet will not let me forget that I searched for <laughs> these prod products one time. That's what cookies is. But what Apple is doing, killing the cookies, ends that kind of Google, tracking. Google. So Google, I'm sorry. Um, what did I say? Apple. Apple. Apple did it. Google's doing it. You're right. So it better protects user privacy, right? You don't like it necessarily when you know companies are able to follow you around it makes you feel like they're invading your privacy in some way but what it will do as well is hurt marketers at tech companies web publishers some would argue anyone that doesn't have their own data to draw on and could benefit a google itself because it does already have so much access to first party data yeah, I think this sort of continues the theme that we talked about with Apple, right? Is that that little pop-up comes up, you know, do you want to be tracked? Uh, or in this case, um, you know, it's, you're not going to have the option to, uh, to, to disable it. Cookies are already going to be disabled, but it gives users this feeling of, of, yes, obviously I don't want someone tracking my purchase, but what does it actually, you know, in effect, what does it do is it gives uh, companies that are very large and have a lot of data about you, right? They obviously still have an ability to, um, track you and target ads towards you. It's the, you know, smaller company, let's say, I'm just going to use an example. Let's say you were searching for, you know, LL Bean pajamas, 
but you never actually logged into LL Bean. Now LL Bean isn't going to be able to ser uh, serve you, uh, you know, the same type of advertising that they were that they would before. Right. And the social media companies have leaned heavily on this kind of advertising, like a meta, like a snap, because it's not intent based advertising, right? You're not going to necessarily on these social media networks to search for something. They're using what you search for on a different platform, like a web browser to then carry it over to a different app where you don't necessarily shop. And the idea is you're going to see an advertisement so many times, eventually you're going to buy something. Um, but this also speaks to the broader thematic changes in digital advertising that have really been underway for a decade. And namely, that is the rapid entrance of new, very large competitors. And they've only managed to erode the meta Google duopoly slightly, but it is important because these are big numbers. Yeah, the trend is really important, right? Because for so long, we talked about how there were really only two companies in digital advertising. And I remember, you know, it was always uh, Google and Meta. And then there was always in third place Yahoo. And that is totally <laughs> gone. But you can just see that there's this giant duopoly and the tide the tide sort of peaks or it starts to turn around 2017, 2018. And all of a sudden you get the rise e-commerce which is really mainly amazon when they tried to when they you know successfully launched their their ad business which is now a significant player uh you see microsoft have a sort of steady position you see tiktok come out of nowhere uh and, and get a couple of percent and so that's really you know it, it's you're, you're absolutely right they're still the two dominant players but that's really where you start to see it peak and you know the numbers move in the wrong direction if you're google or meta and don't forget the streamers as well, right? Remember Netflix said that it would never go to an ad-supported model, but it reversed that. And while they're just getting started, you've got Netflix, you've got Disney, you've got all these other players who are introducing these advertising-supported models that could make a further dent in that duopoly. But Amazon, I want to spend a moment there because it shows you how quickly you can have a competitor come sort of out of nowhere. And Amazon is now in third position in digital marketing market share, which is just amazing because you know, five plus years ago, Amazon didn't even have much of an advertising business to speak of. They didn't even break it out in their financial reports, but it has just exploded. And part of the reason it's been able to explode is because it has that first party data. It doesn't rely on cookies. You go to Amazon to search for something specifically, and then it can introduce you to a whole host of other products. But that data stays within Amazon so that it can, that it can serve you more ads for different products. Right. I mean, and there was that Bank of America analysis that you and I talked about this morning that thought that uh, just adding video ads to Prime, which is just, you know, part of its ad business could add $5 billion in revenue, yeah. um, in annual revenue. So that's just a lot of incremental revenue that you're getting for not that much, you know, it's high margin. The other thing is, and we've talked about this so much over the past year, is advertising is one of the greatest businesses out there. Right. <laughs> you get high margins. It's truly, you know, technology based. So you see even the gig companies, right, that couldn't turn a profit for so many years, like Uber and DoorDash and Instacart, turning to advertising, Instacart in its case, a lot earlier than the other two. But finding that this is a way that they can become profitable faster than relying on their core business, which isn't particularly profitable, which has way thinner margins. I think what's so interesting about this is sort of when you pull back and look at the macro backdrop of why did all these companies all of a sudden start developing advertising lines, where what ties together Uber, DoorDash, Instacart, plus Netflix, Disney, Amazon, you know, why do all these companies, why are they all developing advertising businesses? And it was because of the sort of larger macro backdrop that investors wanted more profitable 
companies. And so as part of that profit profitability push, a lot of these companies strategically said, oh, where can we add very high margin, easy, you know, low hanging fruit revenue? Well, you know, we've got a lot of eyeballs. Let's add advertising on top of that. And in two words, interest rates. When they went higher, that's why investors started demanding better profitability. And you couldn't push those profits out so much in the future. And advertising is a way you don't need a lot of you know, capital to get that going necessarily. If you're already a big, significant company, you can just kind of turn those levers. And so everyone wants to do advertising now. And you know, perhaps a Google and Meta are looking at that and thinking, we got to protect our moat. However, I would say, though, that this what we're talking about, Google cookies, ad tracking. This has been in the works for many, many years. Um, but you can see it as you can see perhaps this year, even more reason for Google to protect that dominance. I'll also say that it might not be that straightforward. Um, when Apple implemented its own crackdown on cookies and tracking, Meta, then Facebook, said that the changes would hit its revenue by some $10 billion in 2022. I remember covering it around that time, and that was just a massive Oh, it was, a, it was like a seismic. It was this huge shock through the industry. Apple had kneecapped, you know, the, the biggest ad players. Yeah, it, it was a sort of giant shockwave through the industry. And that was the year that just crushed Meta as well. That was, you know, and it's had a, it's made up for that. But the point is that it has made up for that. <laughs> it has come far. It has been able to adapt and overcome those changes put in place by Apple. So you could think maybe it's able to overcome this move by Google as well, um, because Ad revenue has rebounded, and it's harnessing generative AI to sell new ad tools. So the landscape around advertising has changed, and we have this huge generative AI shift that is affecting everything, including digital advertising. So there's hope that the smaller players, when these changes from Google are fully implemented, that they can adapt, they can go beyond clicks and conversions, or find different revenue streams, which is tough, though, right? I mean, look at yeah. X or Twitter I mean, trying the subscription say, model. Right? Yeah, I mean, Meta was able to figure out uh, figure out how to develop some ad tools, but Meta is a giant player, right? And you know, when you think about like what happened to a company like Snap, right? Um, you know, they were really hurt mm -hmm. by Apple's changes. They're not even that small, right? They're a relatively yeah. you know large player in the sort of internet space, and they haven't really been able to come back from it. And actually, you know, a big part of getting, getting their revenue back on track was not an advertising-based pro product, but was a subscription product, was, um, mm -hmm. you know, Snap Plus. So I don't know. I think I'm circumspect on on exactly if, if some of these smaller players, you know, a, a lot of this has to do, I think, with like solidifying the, the big get bigger and the small yep. get sort of pushed aside. Exactly. And maybe you know, it's just uh, less big getting bigger. And you look at who the Apple changes have benefited. It was Apple itself, Microsoft, Amazon, right? So they already have scale and they're able to sort of guard their first party data even more in this kind of environment. Yeah. I mean, when when uh, our producer Jasmine was putting together the the chart that showed um, that showed digital ad uh, market share. OK, so let me just read some numbers. Google has, let's say, 27 percent. Uh, you know, YouTube has another 3%, right? So they're, they're, they're running about 30% combined. Meta has 21%. These are huge numbers, right? Amazon has 13%. Uh, but w when you start going down this list, like where is Snapchat? The Snapchat is 0.7%. Uh, wow. Yelp has half a percent. Spotify has 0.39%. I mean, these are just, you know, X is down here, formerly known as Twitter, 0.39%. Instacart has 0.3%. Like these are just tiny, tiny numbers, yep. uh, you know, as compared to the largest players. 
Right. And even if you zoom out on that sort of duopoly, how much market share that Meta and Google have, yes, it's starting to slide, but very slowly. And I guess that's that's what would be concerning for those companies. And generative AI, we're going to talk about this tomorrow, but you know, there's ways that companies are looking at Google's golden goose, right, of search advertising and trying to create alternatives. So the paranoia is there, but they still hold such a huge part of the market. Let me take the other side of this, though. You could argue that the changes so far, as seen through Apple's privacy changes and elimination of cookies, it's actually been a good thing for the brands that have been able to adapt. It's forced them to think of ways to get users to share their data. And that has given them first-party data over the last few years, which is really the gold in the new advertising and the new generative AI landscape. Everyone is kind of now realizing they've got to hoard that data. And if Apple forced some of the smaller brands to make that change a few years ago, they'd yeah. be in a better spot today. And they couldn't have yeah. seen this sort of generative AI shift, seismic shift coming, but they're better prepared for it. I like how much sort of devil's ad advocate we're doing on this on this topic. But you spoke <laughs> to you spoke to the uh, CEO of the IAB Tech Lab, which is an industry trade group, Anthony Katzer. And, um, you know, he's obviously against this move. Although I will say that Google is part of that trade group. Um, right. But he said, you know, he's looking out for the little guys, not even the little guys, basically everyone except Google. And he said that the move, you know, it's supposed to be a more privacy-centric approach to digital ads, but it could actually lead to more friction and end up having users give up even more data than they would like to in the old way. Have a listen to what he said. More and more sites are going to ask for registration data. They're going to ask for email. They're going to ask for your phone number. They may ask for your home address because with, with this advent of signal loss, the cookie, um, they're going to seek new higher fidelity signals than in the past. And that will benefit some media companies. That will benefit some publishers, but publishers that are at scale. So this is the idea that you can't even view a website without first giving your email address. Mark, you just had a wedding. Have you been a Pinterest power user over the last year? I or Danielle? Have, I have created some wife. boards. <laughs> yeah, I have to admit, created some boards. So, you know, I also, when I got married... <laughs> <laughs> used a lot of Pinterest. Whenever I log on now, I want to look for something, but I don't want the algorithm to track me because, you know, just, I just don't want to screw it up. I don't want them to know. I don't want to have to give my email address, but you can't even use the site without giving your email address. Another example of that is the real real. And it's so frustrating. The reason they're doing this is because they can't track you in the same way with cookies because of I the mean, changes I, that Apple made. I saw a, uh, a sort of a satirical TikTok that was pointing out, um, it's sort of the shopping experience, the modern shopping experience is you go and you try to buy a pair of shorts and then the brand says like, oh, okay, great. Uh, well, can you give us your email address to join our community of, uh, you know, shorts obsessed uh, lifestyle <laughs> brand? And the person is just like, no, I don't I don't want to join this community with like a subscription of shorts that I get sent every month. I just want to I just want to buy one pair of shorts. One but pair. This is exactly what 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 sort of the, the direction the brands and publishers are moving in. If they don't have the cookie data, then they're going to want, you know, your email address and your home address. They're trying to create communities is how they call that first party data that lets them sell you more stuff without cookies. So it's it was a perspective that I hadn't really considered until I spoke to Anthony. Um, but, you know, his takeaway is that 
there's just going to be so many changes. He ended on a positive note, our conversation. He said that digital advertising, advertising as a whole has been one of the most innovative industries. They will get through this and some great brands, companies, advertising agencies, they will survive, but there is going to be so much uncertainty in the next year, particularly if these changes from Google take place in the third quarter or fourth quarter of this year, because that is sort of go time for digital advertisers. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting for the next for the next holiday season. So yeah, uh, you gave a little tease, but tomorrow we'll be talking more about uh, another competitor to Google's search business. Stick with us. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Edinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.